When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back into another episode of The Hard Foul. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler, and with me, as always, from GamecockCentral.com, to discuss South Carolina's 86-80 loss to LSU is Colin Taylor. And Colin, this was a game that was kind of the exact opposite of that Tennessee game for South Carolina and more closely followed the basketball truism that basketball is a game of runs. And unfortunately, LSU had a few too many runs for South Carolina. Carolina falls to 8-6, and 16-11 overall, and... Despite the fact that 4-2 and two in the last six is still on the table for Carolina, it seems like a lot of the fans have jumped ship, maybe just because they were down by like 19 in the second half and the general performance is underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand why fans would. Uh, if I was a fan, I wouldn't, just because there is a lot ahead of you in that. Um, but yeah, this was just one of those things where they got caught up in a perfect storm. LSU was losers of, I think, four of their last five. Mm-hmm. They're probably a little bit pissed off, and you were going to get their best shot. Uh, so, And they did, and South Carolina just wasn't really equipped to handle it. And let's not forget, LSU's a pretty good team. Like, this is, well, this wasn't like, you know, Vanderbilt coming in here and boat racing you by 19 and you having to come back to make it a game. This was a tournament team coming in there, and – I understand why fans are frustrated because you had two golden opportunities to notch quad one wins. Um, but there's still a lot to play for on the table. All of these games are winnable down the stretch. And if you win the next four and have some success in the tournament, you're in a decent spot. This is why I like doing the podcast with you because inside of 90 seconds where you mentioned something that if you didn't mention, I was going to mention, and we were both going to agree on, LSU's really good. Yeah, they're there's a really, reason, really good. There's a reason there's a top 30 net team. There's a reason they've been ranked as highly as they have this year. And there's a reason that they're, they're a top 30 net team despite losing four of their last five. Yeah. You know, they have some bad losses in there. They lost to Vanderbilt. Uh, not that Alabama is a bad loss, and I'm pretty sure that one, that game was in Tuscaloosa. And Alabama can, whew, they can score some points. But that's a good team. That's a really good team. They're and, second in the conference. Right. And let's just go ahead and jump in to this part of it, because I think this has been an interesting part of the conversation. South Carolina gave up 86 points at home. Not a good defensive performance. No. Frank Martin was like, yeah, not a good defensive performance. Everyone was like, yeah, not a good defensive performance. I think I saw this either in your instant analysis or what we learned. I'm not going to sit here and, and say it was a good defensive performance from South Carolina, but LSU was averaging 114 points per 100 possessions coming into that game on the season. And I think I saw that they only scored... 112. They were, yeah, they were below average. Yeah. Carolina held LSU to a below average game of offensive efficiency. Marginally, but yeah. Yeah. Better. But it's it's not like it was a horrendous game. I mean, the, the the goal of defense is to keep the other team from being as good as they typically are on offense. South Carolina did that. Maybe you could say it was only marginally. But the point is, LSU's a really, 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 really good offensive team. We saw why on Saturday. I feel like that, has, that reflects more on LSU than it does on South Carolina. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that you're not going to really do anything when a team that came in shooting like 31% from three goes out there and shoots 40. That's mm-hmm. that's really, really hard. And Darius Days, 
who came in shooting 27.9% from three goes four of six. That's just, you're not going to be able to defend that. And so sometimes you just catch the wrong team on the wrong night for you. That team gets hot, and there's really not a whole lot you can do. And could they have played better defensively? Absolutely. But to say that this wasn't a sister of the poor South Carolina was playing, this was a very, very good LSU team that will be playing in March. And you hung in there, you, you lulled in the middle of the second half, but you came back and you had, like Frank Martin said, a fighter's chance late to win that. That's the other part of this that I think is kind of interesting. The fact that there was a fighter's chance at the end, and it's it's two games now that have followed this pattern. And I understand the conventional thinking, and, and, and in a lot of ways I think it's correct. South Carolina was down by 12, I think, with two and a half minutes to go against Mississippi State, and they were down by you know 19 with seven minutes to go and LSU took their foot off the gas a little bit, and South Carolina was able to get back into it. But there are two parts to this. One, the South Carolina team showed enough fight that they weren't going to just roll over and let the 12-point deficit against Mississippi State turn into 20, or the 19-point deficit against LSU turn into 29. They fought back. This team has shown grit. They've shown toughness. They've been resilient. Even, you know, obviously in the games that that they've won, where they've had to endure second-half runs or go on second-half runs, this team showed a lot of mental toughness. They did it again against LSU, as they did against Mississippi State. And some people say that's empty stats, and I feel like I would normally say that. But I just feel like it's important that the team still believes, that the team still fights, because as much as, like I said earlier, it seems like a lot of the fan base has gone ahead and sold all their stock for the men's 1920 basketball season, 2019-2020. We're not doing a history lesson here. But... The team still believes. The team still fights. The team still wants it. They were obviously closer to, to sort of finishing off that comeback against Mississippi State than they were against LSU, but it was 84-80 to 80 with, what, 30 seconds left? Yeah. 15 seconds left? Something like that? I mean, that's that's crazy, and they had to make some ridiculous shots, and Jair Bolden <laughs> making that, like, Step I don't Step back, fade away. Off balance. I don't even know what, what to a, call that. Uh, other prayer? Than like, yeah, a true prayer. Yeah. He made it, and, you know, Carolina got some shots to go. They got some stops on defense. I think there is value to the team showing fight, and yes, like, LSU was more than six points better than South Carolina on Saturday, but also Carolina deserved to only lose the game by six because of how they finished. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. To Frank Martin, it certainly doesn't. He thinks in terms of wins and losses, and I think that's correct. But I think you and I can sit here and talk about the margins a little bit more and say, I think that means something. Yeah, and I think that that's why South Carolina only dropped one one in the net rankings. As of yesterday, I haven't looked this morning. Yeah, I'll look this morning, don't worry. Um, that's why they only dropped a certain amount because they know LSU's good. Um, winning obviously helps your case, but the fact that you were only able to lose, losing my six and losing my 19 does have an impact on your net. Yep, your efficiency um, a little bit, making some shots yeah. at the end. So, yeah, they're 63rd right now, and they were 62nd after Mississippi State. So, you lose two games over the course of a week, and you drop one spot in the net. There's still a lot to play for there. With, if my math is correct, from the net rankings on Tuesday, or on Monday, this is Tuesday, the net rankings on Monday, you went out, you get a quad one win against Alabama, you get a quad two win against Mississippi State, and you get quad... Two quad three wins. Two quad three wins with those at home against, or the home game against Georgia and, and at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. That's good. South Carolina right now has four quad one wins. Because Clemson... Has moved up to a quad one win. There you go. So you got so you have, Tigers. <laughs> you have four. Let, let's put this into perspective. You have four quad one wins. Mm-hmm. 
three of those quad one wins have been on the road. That's a good that's resume. Yeah, that's a good resume. The Boston and Stetson losses obviously come back to haunt you because instead of being 16 and 11, they're 18 and 9. Mm. And they probably only need to go 2 and 2 with the win of the tournament. Golly. Yeah, with no bad losses. That's frustrating for South Carolina. I, under, I understand why fans would be frustrated with that because they should be comfortably sitting as a seven seed or an eight seed right now, but they're not. And I get it. I understand why you're frustrated, but there's still a lot to be played for. And there's still a chance if South Carolina, weirder things have happened where a team goes on a six-game win streak to end the year. Let's say they go and they, you know, win their last four and then win two in the tournament. That's a six-game. That's a, You've won six of your last seven to end the year. And you've played in the quarterfinals or the semifinals of the SEC tournament. Because there's still an odd chance. I was fiddling with it last night. But they could get a top four seed hmm. if they went out. If all the right stuff happens. Yeah, that's tough not having the tiebreakers with Florida, LSU, or Auburn. I guess they do have it with Kentucky. It would probably, what, require Kentucky to lose to Florida and then lose another game? Yeah, or, you need a few teams to lose. Right. I guess now Kentucky's only got two conference losses, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Carolina's not going to catch them. No, but if weird things happen... You could potentially get a top four seed. Will it? Probably not. You're probably playing on what's that? Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, and that that may be better again for Carolina. More winnable opponent. Got to get, get to twenty or twenty one. Yeah, Frank said it, and I tend to agree with him. You still need good wins. You always want good wins, but right now they just need to win games. Mm-hmm. They just need to win games. They have the. You can look at it and say, okay, we got quality wins, but you need to win games now to make up for your two bad losses, and. That comes these next four games. Just win. That starts Wednesday night against Georgia. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. As we dig a little deeper into this LSU game, I started a movement with Wes and Chris on another Carolina podcast. I don't know. I guess I just like to be a little bit of a trendsetter. I decided that since everybody signs during the early signing period, that that should be National Signing Day. And what is currently or formerly, if uh, my influence has worked as much as I hope it has, what was formerly the National Signing Day, we should exclusively refer to as a late signing period because that's kind of how it is. So you and I, I think, agree that it's kind of silly that college basketball has halves considering church league basketball has quarters. I like halves. What, well, you like halves? I like Have we halves. talked about this? We might. I just assumed. Damn it. No, see, I don't like I don't like quarters. I think the flow gets interrupted yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but church basketball is quarters. High school basketball I understand is why quarters. You do it. Women's college basketball is quarters. NBA is quarters. WNBA is quarters. Like Everything is quarters like except Cavs. for men's college basketball. All right, like well, Cavs. then you're not going to agree with me on this, but no. I was going to say we need to talk about the game in terms of quarters because we can. the difference in That's the Carolina. The, yeah, well, the difference in the Carolina LSU game was the third quarter. Yeah. LSU absolutely just buried South Carolina, and it looked like they had a. After that. Uh, yeah, I guess it was the big dunk on the baseline. One of the, oh my gosh, like, you know, feel it in your chest kind of dunk that Keyshawn Bryant had with yeah. 15 minutes to go or whatever it was. That felt like the moment that would have sparked the run for South Carolina and then LSU responded in kind of the same way that we've seen Carolina respond in a lot of those games earlier this year and just absolutely bury the Gamecocks. And that was that was the story of the game. Carolina played pretty well in the second half. And they had it down to two and then LSU hits a three and then you have a bad turnover they outscored LSU by, I'm looking at the math here, one in the second half. Yeah. Now, again, um, tell me that's late. Carolina won the fourth quarter. I don't, I guess, remember the points. exact final score of the first and second quarters. But the point is, it was close. It was essentially a two-point game in the first half. 
Carolina had a bad turnover and LSU hit a three to make it a seven point half. The end of that, yeah, still, I'd say the end of that half was brutal for yeah, South Carolina. Yeah, it was a mess. Now that was what like AJ threw it to Wildens or Jermaine threw it to yeah. Wildens and Wildens like wasn't looking for it and that yeah. was just an easy transition bucket. It was ugly. But point is, for the most part, Carolina played well enough. They played well enough for thirty out of forty minutes to be in the game at the end, yeah. and they were kind of. But not really. They would have been more organically in the end if they hadn't yeah. just gotten buried in the third quarter. But that's what really good offensive teams do. They turn it on. So Ken Palm actually does break it down by quarters. Oh, good. So South Carolina and LSU tied the first quarter. It was 24-24 mm-hmm. at the end of the first quarter. Uh, LSU outscored South Carolina by seven to end the half, okay. which makes sense because it was a seven-point game at halftime. Right. So they won the middle of the game significantly. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, and then they outscored South Carolina by six in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And then Carolina outscored them by seven in seven. the fourth quarter. Yeah. So the second and fourth quarter cancel each other out. First quarter was even. The difference is that third quarter. Yeah. Where South Carolina's had some trouble this year. When they win games, it's because they dominate that stretch. And then they can kind of coast. Or outside of the Georgia game, where they just dominate the first half, and then they can kind of coast in the second. So, yeah. I mean, South Carolina obviously needs to play, and that's been a problem all year, consistency. With a young team, that's what you get. And I know people hate hearing, well, they're just a young team. Ew, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about them being a young team. This is a young team. Jermaine Kustard, freshman. Although, you know, he's redshirt, but he didn't do that much last year. He was scout team. A.J. Lawson's a true sophomore. Trey Hannibal's a true freshman. T.J. Moss is a redshirt freshman. Jair Bolden's in his first, first real season under Frank. Because, like Jermaine, he was on scout team a lot last year. Didn't get really the flow of preparing. That's six guards right there that are second year or younger. Keyshawn Bryant, too. And then Justin Manai has been hurt. And I, I know this sounds like excuses, but what I'm trying to do is paint a picture of why there is inconsistency. And I know teams, it's hard to have a senior-laden team when you don't have younger freshman and sophomore-laden teams. And that's what they are right now. Right. And we see that. You know, a lot of the... Carolina didn't turn the ball over a lot, but it felt like the turnovers were costly and avoidable. They turned the ball over eleven times. It felt, I mean, they they played a they played the kind of game that you feel like they could have and maybe should have just turned it over five times because at least like five or six of those that I can just think of off the top of my head were like, oh wow, like you just threw that out of bounds or you just threw that to Wildens and Wildens wasn't looking and just dropped it. It's or just like, a lazy pass on the perimeter that yeah. leads to runouts and yeah, it was. It was pretty bad for that. Them. I mean, that, that's I guess that's the kind of stuff that you get with with a team like that. But what, what I guess what's weird about Saturday's game is as much as we've been talking about Keyshawn needing to pick up the slack, he finally did. He had 15 points, 10 rebounds. I haven't looked, but I don't have to look. I'm sure that's his first double double of the season. He played well. He had a huge dunk, had a huge alley opportunity where I thought he was actually going to knock Trey Hannibal out of the game. <laughs> Poor Trey Hannibal. Uh, also, get out of the way next time, Trey Hannibal. Maybe that would have. Yeah, not, Trey did not have a great game. Now, no, I don't think that would have necessarily made a difference. But if I told you that Keyshawn had a 15 and 10, you would have said, all right, that's that's kind of what Carolina's been missing in Justin Minai's absence. Kusnard, not very efficient. Actually, not efficient at all. Four of 16, but he got to his nearly his average. Uh, AJ, also not particularly efficient, but he was able to score 13. It's like, okay, that's here. And at the end of the day, you score 80 points, you shoot 36% from three. You get the free throw line 25 times, which is above average for South Carolina. You hit about 15. what they normally hit, which yeah. is 60%. You grab 20 offensive rebounds. You turn the ball over just 11 times. Eight steals, five blocks, and you lose. You score LSU, 80 points at home. Because LSU 
is a good team. Because they're a really good team. And shot 40% from three and took 23 of them and hit nine. That's going to happen sometimes. That was a that was a good basketball game. And what, LSU put on a clinic. What feels like the missed opportunity is that this is an LSU team that's not good defensively. They're like, yeah. what, worst in the SEC in defensive efficiency? One of, or uh, one of the worst? worst. Vanderbilt's second, the worst. Oh, yeah, that's true. They, they shouldn't we even, forget about Vanderbilt. Yeah, they, they shouldn't even be in the conference this year. I, although, I guess they did beat LSU. So maybe I should That was uh, probably the weirdest win in yeah. the SEC this year. I get it. It was at say. Vanderbilt, but... And that was LSU's first loss of the season, too. It's not like they were slumping, and then they went into Vanderbilt, and bleh. But it was just like, LSU was on top of the world at that point. Yeah, they were undefeated in conference play. Had wins over Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Florida, Alabama. Then they beat Ole Miss, and then they go to Vanderbilt and lose. And give up 99 points. Yes. So, yeah. So, on the one hand, you look at it and you say, 80 points. That's great. You should win most games that you score 80 points. But what's disappointing is all the points left on the floor for South Carolina. 37.3% from the field against not a very good defensive team. team. Right. And what Frank Martin said after the game, I I think, really kind of mirrored what it felt like watching the game, which is that South Carolina just wasn't aggressive enough. No, they took some really bad shots. They took a lot of bad shots. A lot of off-balance leaners and floaters and runners and not getting all the way to the rack. Things that you feel like they could do, and things that it, it feels like we've seen them do. Like we, we've, I feel like we've seen Jermaine Cousinard go a lot harder to the hole yeah. than he did on Saturday. He was settling for so many of those little, you know, he's just flipping it up from six, seven feet, and yeah. I, I don't understand why. It's not like LSU has the SEC Defensive Player of the Year patrolling the basket, you know, deterring guys from driving in. But there was just a lack of edge, a lack of aggression. And frankly, we've seen that from Carolina a lot this year. It's kind of disappeared in the last couple of games, and I don't exactly know why. I, they were decently aggressive against Mississippi State. The problem was, is that, and Frank's talked about it and use it as an excuse as if you want, but they got home at 3 a.m. from Starkville because of that stupid 9 p.m. tip, Eastern. Then Thursday, with all these guys having to go to class at 8 a.m. or whatever because these these guys' schedules are so front-loaded because they practice in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, then they couldn't really do a whole lot Thursday. So you're really only preparing for one day against LSU on Friday. And then you got to shoot around Saturday morning. But the guys are tired, you know? That's, and there's not as much time to fix what Frank saw wrong with the Mississippi State game. He said as yeah, much after the game. Yeah, and there wasn't a lot of time. You can only do so much in one practice, you know? Because then you also have to game plan and insert stuff for that. And it, it was tough. Guys were tired and they were on short rest and boom, boom, boom. Because LSU played, I want to say Tuesday. Yeah, they played Kentucky on Tuesday. Yeah, so LSU had got Wednesday off and then had Thursday and Friday to prepare. Happened. Everyone has to do that though, right? I mean, it's this point of the season. The season's long. Yeah. You got to travel. Like, that's Yeah, and they need unusual. to be better. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Frank will be the first one to tell you that, but... I'm just pointing out that this has been this was a very awful scheduling thing for South Carolina in the biggest game of the year so far, where it was like they only got one essentially one full day of practice because mm-hmm. Thursdays was kind of a wash. Yeah, I, I still can't, and I'm not saying that you are, but I can't call it a schedule loss because no, 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 LSU's just really good. And yeah, Car- oh, absolutely. Carolina, Carolina wasn't good enough. Which again, I, I still think this game says more about LSU than it does about South Carolina. And it doesn't overly change my opinion of this team 
or what I think the realistic end goals for this team are. Mm -hmm. We talked about it, and we'll continue to talk about it. It's still kind of all right there on the table. And you can say, look, Carolina's not going to win four in a row. They haven't won four in a row yet this year. But can Carolina beat Georgia? Yes. Can Carolina beat Alabama? Yes. Can Carolina beat Mississippi State? Yes. Can Carolina beat Vanderbilt? Yes. Okay, well, there you go. Now you're having a different conversation. But it's easier to be fatalistic about it, I guess, when you sort of put it in terms of the totality of, oh, you have to win four in a row. You haven't done that yet. What are the odds that that's going to happen? You know what? Honestly, not great. Carolina's been no. inconsistent. Like it, If they go on the road and lose to Alabama, not at all surprised. If they lose at home against Mississippi State, not at all surprised. Frankly, I wouldn't even be that surprised if South Carolina lost to Georgia on Wednesday. No. Because Anthony Edwards probably remembers that he went just 4 of 13 against Carolina last time, and he might have a little bit of extra juice, a little bit of something extra to prove. And Georgia's playing decent. They yeah. just beat Auburn. They went on the road and beat Vanderbilt in a weird place to play. And Anthony Edwards, I think, had had two really good games. Edwards, we'll talk more about it, had 18 against Auburn. And if my site will load, uh, 19 against uh, Vanderbilt. And right now seems to be the kind of consensus number one pick in the draft. Yep. And it's it's his to lose at this point, which is weird. And I think speaks more to this upcoming NBA draft than anything else. Cause, so, so bad. Yeah, not, not a good draft. But point is, would I be surprised if Carolina lost any of these games? No. No. Would I be surprised if South Carolina went 4-0? No, because they can win all of those games. We've seen them play well enough yeah. to win all those games. Now, it needs to be better than it was in the second half against Mississippi State, and it needs to be better than it was in the second half against LSU. But it feels like it's it feels like it's there. You know, if if AJ and Jermaine have, you know, slightly more efficient games, yeah. if Carolina shoots 40% from the field as a team instead of 37, which is still below average for them. Mm-hmm. We're, we're having a different conversation right now. And the timing of the baskets is huge, too. Again, that third quarter for LSU, yeah, they scored a lot, but it felt like every single shot that they made, every single three that they made in that stretch was a dagger. And yeah. timing and context is important in everything, and especially in basketball games, especially when it's a game like this that's a game of runs. You know, for South Carolina, I, I wrote down a couple of these because I thought it was interesting because LSU kept jumping out the leads and Carolina would claw back and then they would you know take another lead and then claw back and, and so on and so forth. LSU was up 24-17 to early. Carolina got that back to 24-24. Then LSU went on another run and got it to 31-24. Carolina got back to, that back to 31-30. And then it was 39-29, and Carolina got that back to 39-37. That kept happening until LSU finally went on one run that South Carolina couldn't match. Couldn't answer, yeah. And, it, and it's, it's, it's about timing. And also, like when you get down that many times, like I guess it's hard to, to, to keep doing that. But yeah. that's a really good team. Yeah, and you saw it both days is that they – kept pushing and kept pushing and kept pushing and then they just couldn't get over that hump and against Mississippi State it, they were able to kind of claw back and be in it more late and LSU who's a better team than Mississippi State was able to just put their foot on the pedal and do what good teams do and go on runs and you've seen that from South Carolina at times this year sometimes you're just on the bad end of one we talked about Keyshawn Bryant anything else you want to say about him other than that Dunk was awesome, and the alley-oop would have been awesome, and it was nice for him to, I mean, kind of have a bounce-back game. He got the stats. He didn't, 5 of 14, not very efficient, but, and you only made 5 of his 9 free throws, but. You need that from him. You need 15 and 8 from him. Yeah. 12 and 7. You just need to hope it's not on 15 shots every time or yeah. 14 shots or whatever it was. But your turnovers need, are down, too, which is good. Yeah, you need points. You need those plays, the, the firework plays, mm-hmm. and you need good defense and he gave you some of that those explosive plays as like highlight reel <laughs> dunk whatever sometimes it's funny i feel like he 
he probably he definitely leads the team in like wow that was awesome. Although this year, as underwhelming as his season has been, Trey Hannibal is like pretty close to him in terms of just like yeah, exciting athletic plays that get the crowd on their feet. But Keyshawn still has that title because but it's a slim margin. Yeah, people. It, the crowd gets into it when you see Trey in the open court, mm-hmm. but people hold their breath when you see Keyshawn. Like right. when he caught that ball in the corner and mm-hmm. he took three steps, and everyone. Was and like, they, they oh. did, I don't know what they were doing. I guess they missed a rotation. Yeah, they but, like sagged off of him, and he had yeah. every ample opportunity to just build up ahead of steam and took it. It was incredible. People held their breath. It was mm-hmm. one of those where it was like, and you let go after that. But with Trey, it's just a different level of excitement. Right? Yeah, it's different because it, it maybe it's like a little more spontaneous because you never know when he's going to pick someone's pocket and then you never know how exactly he's going to finish once he gets to the rim but he generally does a a pretty good job of that yeah for Keyshawn though while I give him credit and there's a lot of value to that that's what I was going to say and that's sort of my point in this those big explosive plays are are worth more a big dunk is worth more than two points it's worth more than the appearance on SportsCenter or the video going semi-viral on Twitter it's worth it because it energizes your team it energizes the crowd it deflates the other team. There is a real value in a dunk like that that isn't really replica- replicable in any other way in basketball other than maybe what we've seen recently with the advent of the really ridiculously long three, whether it's, you know, Trey Young, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, like that kind of shit. When, when you pull up from the hash, it's like, oh, geez. Yeah. Like, that's similarly deflating to a big dunk, but for the most part, it's still kind of a big dunk and a big dunk alone. There is a lot of value in that. And so I love when Keyshawn tries to dunk, although a lot of them have been blocked or he's missed a lot of them this year. But that also has also led to him, while he leads the team in highlight plays, he also leads the team by a much wider margin, just based on my eye test. And just like wildly out of control drives where he's like, oh, I'm going to dunk over five people. Oh, wait, I can't. And now I've just thrown up like a shot that bounced off the front of the rim or just gotten it blocked or yeah. stolen out from underneath me. And you can feel him pressing. And we've talked about this a lot. And I, I think as much as he played better, and he got to his stats, and he did have some exciting plays. I found myself more concerned by all the plays he left Saturday on the table. Where, that, that he left on the table. Where it's like, okay, you have three guys around you. Don't uh, it's it's cool. And if you were to dunk on all three of these guys, it would be amazing. But just like pass out of that, make the simple yeah. play sometimes. And that's what his next step is. I mean, with AJ or with with Keyshawn, it's all you know. But now it's like, okay, well. You, now it's time to, for you to function in the offense instead of us rotate the ball and finding you backside for a breakaway dunk. Like That's just not, you know, or a backside cut, dunk, whatever. That's just not, he needs to be more than that. And they're trying to get him there, and every time they try to get him there, he gets hurt. Consistency, like I've, I've said, is big for him, and getting him to that point, will it happen this year? I don't know, but... It needs to happen soon, and it needs to kind of grow into that. Anytime he could dunk, do it. But you need to know, okay, this is my responsibility on this set. I need to get to this spot and be able to kick to Jermaine, who's coming backside after a baseline cut to for a three kind of thing. And he's just not – he's shown flashes of being there, mm-hmm. but consistently he's just not there yet. He's pressing. Dunk when you can, and when you can't – Pass. Don't do it. Pass. Yeah. And – when you can dunk, that that's that is a lot yeah. wider set of opportunities for Keyshawn than other players. Take advantage of that. Just I don't know, don't go overboard with it. But if I mean yeah. if he's gonna put up fifteen and ten for the rest of the season, I think Carolina probably feels pretty good about its chances to go four and in these next four games. Yeah. Lonzo Frank 
15 minutes, misses only field goal, 1.3 rebounds, probably minus a lot in this game. What do you think? Minus 13 in 15 minutes. Minus 5. Just minus 5. I'm bad at guessing plus minus. This AJ is a fun lost game, was though. minus 20, though. Phew. I think that was the largest. Minus 20, not great. Mm-hmm. But for Frank, he, I mean, he's he's... I guess with the exception of that first game that Manaya was out against Ole Miss, they started Levesque. Yeah. Since then, it's been Frank as a starter, and he just hasn't been good as a starter. He hasn't but, been good most of this year, but he really hasn't been good as a starter. Yeah, and you need him to go out there and start because Levesque and McCreary are both really good coming off the bench. So you just need a guy to go in there and, and weather the storm a little bit for four or five minutes and put in your the two guys after him. And You feel bad for a guy like Alonzo, who's done so much to reshape his body and get to a level but now it just comes and, and frank's talked about it and i agree with them that it's just about aggression now it's about flipping the switch and saying i'm six nine six ten i'm strong and i can go up and finish and sometimes he looks like he can do that and sometimes he doesn't but he's a really good offensive player he just needs to be more aggressive and he needs to be better on the defensive end i don't know if it's going to happen this year I, don't I feel know bad either. for him. I I, I like yeah. what we saw from him last year, and in and some ways he looked so much. He looks so much different this year. It's yeah. not baby fat. He's he's cut a lot of that off, and that's frustrating. It's weird because one of the pleasant stories of this year, regardless of how it ends, has been the emergence of a couple of good young bigs in Levesque and McCreary that look like they're going to be, you know, at least decent. They're going to be serviceable. I mean, it, you're not going to replace Mike Kozar, what he's doing no. this year, but you feel you know pretty okay coming back with Levesque and McCreary next year. But the cost of that has been. Frank was exciting as a freshman because you saw potential. He was a mess defensively, had an interesting offensive game. You saw potential there, and it feels like some of that development has been stymied because a lot of those uh, uh, you know extra big man minutes have gone to Levesque and McCreary. I'm going to pull up his game log right now, but the amount of times that he's played like three minutes is yeah, and that was crazy. with Manaya there too. With, yeah, with yeah. Manaya healthy. There's just there's not a spot for him right so now. So he played 15 minutes against LSU on Saturday. He and he played 21 against Mississippi State, but five minutes against Tennessee, and 20 against Georgia, 21 against AM. Played a minute One. against Ole Miss, five minutes against Arkansas, a minute against Auburn, nine minutes against Texas AM. Since SEC play started, he's played in fifth so they played what, fourteen mm-hmm. SEC games? He's played over fifteen minutes in one, two, three, four, five. Less yeah. than half. Yeah, that's it, it, and like you said, it's kind of unfortunate because it, it feels like something's there. Now, if something were there and, and he were developing as as much as we would have hoped or would like to see or think that he can, then maybe LeBeck and McCreary wouldn't be stealing those minutes from him. But he seems like pretty entrenched at the starting role right now for South Carolina, and he, yeah. he needs to be better. Carolina didn't lose to LSU because he didn't have a better game because at this point you're not counting on anything from him. So whatever he can give you now at this point is gravy. But Yeah. You I need know. more. You I, need I, more. I guess if we want to say something positive about Alonzo's game on Saturday, he didn't foul that much. Only two foul. fouls. That's probably like a career low for him. And two offensive rebounds. Yeah. He continues, probably continues to lead the team in offensive rebounding rate would be my guess because he did, after the Mississippi State game, probably didn't change Let's on Saturday. Levesque had a good game on the offensive boards, and we're going to get to him in just a minute when we start talking about some of those uh, bench performances. He had five offensive rebounds, did Levesque, but I don't know if he was close enough to Frank to catch him in just one game. He is .3 percentage points. Lower than Alonzo Frank for offense. Oh, Lavecas? Wow. Okay. All right. So he's close. So he's, that, that may be flip-flop by the end of the season. Yeah. L- Alonzo's at 14, and, and Wildens is at 13.7. There you go. Catch him. Catch him, Wildens. 
Mike Goatsar had his least goatee game in a while. It looked like he was full Goatsar. I know. Early. Made his first three shots. And well, it was like what an offensive rebound and a putback and then two jumpers, right? Where his first three shots, I think. Yeah. And when oh. he's got that jumper going, you're like, uh oh. This is like this is like eighteen yeah. or twenty two for Mike. Yeah. Oh, that's the difference. Is, yeah. That it looked like Goatsar and just didn't get the ball in the second half. Mm-hmm. Well, and got into a little bit of foul trouble in the first half. Which this is huge. This is, oh, it was huge, but I really wanted to talk about this. I didn't write it down, but I'm glad that I remembered. A lot of people complaining about Frank Martin, because that's what people do whenever South Carolina loses any basketball game. They just assume that Frank Martin needs to be fired. Frank Martin doesn't know how to manage the game. He blah, 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 whatever. I think there are, are and have been perfectly valid reasons to criticize Frank Martin and some of the decisions that he's made this year. But saying that, you know, he mismanaged the game or whatever... On Saturday, Frank Martin did things that he is very uncomfortable doing. Yeah, who the hell did he have to play with once Mike got <laughs> Well, not only that, but Mike picked up two fouls. He picked up his second foul with, I think, 12 minutes to go in the first half. 12.30, yeah. And Mike came back in at like the eight or nine minute mark. Is that the, he had to. Yeah, but is that the first time? He's played Jermaine on three fouls. I think he played Jermaine on three fouls against Mississippi State. Okay. But was, it's rare. It is so rare. He He never plays guys with two fouls. In yeah. the first half. Like, if, if Mike picked up his second foul... At the 18-minute mark? At the 18-minute mark, and this were the first game of SEC play, he no. would have sat the rest of the half. Yeah. Which I think is stupid. I hate that he does that. And he... But it's a pretty common practice huh? in college basketball that I don't, I don't no, necessarily yeah, I agree with. And I mean, Frank seems to follow it militantly. I didn't even notice or remember Jermaine playing on three fouls. But when, when Mike came back in, I was like, what the... Like, yeah. Frank's pulling out all the stops here. He's playing a guy on two fouls. And and credit to Mike. You know, he didn't foul out. He still only played 29 minutes Yeah, because he, he missed a stretch in the first half and then came out a little bit in the second half. He didn't foul out, which is good. Got to play as much as he you know possibly could have on those four fouls. But after the hot start, cooled off, made one of his next six shots, I think it was. He started, three, yeah, three of three. No, yeah, three of three, and then made one of his next seven. Finished four of ten. Made both of his free throws. Still only shot two. Six rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks. Very consistent in terms of filling up all those other stats. And look, I mean, 10 points isn't much below what he averages. It just yeah. felt like the way that game started, it was going to be a Mike game. And, and he just didn't get the ball. Yeah. And this was his lowest usage rate since the Texas A&M game earlier this month. Hmm. He's only had, so he had a 17% possession, however you want to calculate that. Um, And the lowest, he's only had one... Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of those in SEC play. So half. Below 17? Below 20. Oh, below 20. Oh, wow. Yeah, 17 and below is even worse. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Hmm. But normally it's, you know, 18 to, you know, 25 against Mississippi State, 18 against Tennessee, 21 against Georgia. 20 against Ole Miss, 25 against Missouri, 18 against Arkansas, um, 21, 22 from against Tennessee and Florida. So they use him a lot, and they just didn't use him as much, statistically speaking, as they did. And it's just it, the guard play was very content with passing around the top and trying to go drive and get a floater. And they're driving the ball. And Frank even said that. It's like, they're doing what we're asking. They're driving, which is what we want our driving guards like to 80% do. Eighty percent of the way there, but they get to the lane and they're afraid of contact and just heave a floater up. Well, afraid of contact, and this came up on my local show. I had uh, West Mitchell on with me actually yesterday because Eric Kimry's still on a Disney cruise. I think this team is afraid not of necessarily the contact. Like I don't think they're soft, 
but no one on this team wants to go to the free no, throw line. No, no, no. And that is significant. Yes. When you are afraid to shoot free throws, you're afraid to get fouled, you're afraid to initiate that contact because, I don't know, I guess probably in the minds of these guys, they have a better chance throwing up a floater than going to the free throw line and getting, on average, a point. Yeah. If you shoot better than 50% on your floaters, you're probably better than you're going to do with the line. And that's significant. As, as much as you and I have agreed that you kind of are who you are in terms of free throw shooting, you're not going to overly change. You're not going to become a great free throw shooting team from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, even though Carolina's had some good performances here and there. And Frank Martin said earlier, you know, that cost Carolina in his estimation four games. It's becoming even more significant now, not even because Carolina's not making them, but because it's changing the way that especially their guards are playing. And, I mean, that could be a, like a really damning legacy of this team. Yeah. I mean, you look at the Tennessee game up in Knoxville where you miss 800 free throws approximately you miss 10 against LSU and lose by six and how many more would you have gotten if you if just Lawson driven. and Kuznard and Coates are and these guys finish their drives yeah. and Coates has been shooting free throw as well you said he's what top top 20 top 15 in free throw percentage he made two of them and you're right like Saturday had had more to do with him just not getting the ball as much yeah but, um yeah like those are the three guys you probably want on the line you want AJ and Jermaine and Mike on the line shooting because those are the guys that have consistently, more than others, done it for you. It took 38 shots from the field and eight free throws. Yeah, none from AJ Lawson. Kuznard had six, went five mm-hmm. of six. Yep. And then Kozar had his two. Kozar had his two. 38 shots to eight field goal attempts. Free throw attempts. Yeah. yeah. Not great. No, that's like... I don't know. That's getting ratioed right there, like the basketball version. It's yeah. it's not good. No. Also not good. In terms of the backcourt, let's exclude Jerry Bolden, who had a couple of garbage time buckets and like played fine. You texted he had me a couple like heat check mate. Like he had a couple. Right, like midway through the first half, I think when Carolina was first closing that twenty four to seventeen deficit, you were like, Yeah, you know, Carolina Carolina can't uh, can't win this game because it's gonna be a great Jermaine game because it was Clear that Jermaine wasn't firing on all cylinders, you know, off the bat, and I was like, "Yeah, maybe this is going to be a Jerry Bolden heat check game, though, because he hit a three, and then came down on the other end. Carolina got a stop, and then he took, you know, like a little one dribble pull up, like right inside the three oh, point. It was like, yeah, it was really nice, like a little cross, and then hit the jumper. And it's like, okay, if he's feeling himself, if he can go for twenty two, you feel like that was like that Texas A and M game where it's like he hit like seven of. Eight threes or seven yeah. to four. You know, three, a Virginia you know? game or something like that. Yeah. He finished with the fifteen, six and nine from the floor, three of six from three. So fine game for him. But if we go AJ, Jermaine, Trey, TJ Moss, the four guys that probably handle the ball most or handle the ball most. I mean, you want Mike to touch it a little bit more. It wasn't necessarily the case on Saturday. And that is a whopping nine, ten, eleven of twenty eight, thirty five, thirty six. Eleven of thirty six. From those four guys, including O of one from TJ Moss, yeah. who just takes his one token shot that he doesn't want to take every single game and misses it every single game. Yeah, eleven of thirty-six. Just gonna let that sit. Mm-hmm. Not great. And they didn't particularly look great either. Guard play hadn't been great the last two games, for, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And we'll have an article up today about it on Gamecock Central. But um, it's just not been good. The defense has not been good. Um, guys are letting guys opponents get to their spots a little bit too much and it's you're seeing what's wrong with it I mean I think that I think that South Carolina's given up 
the 112 <clears throat> points per possession against LSU was the second worst this year. They gave up 115, or third worst. No, not even that. Wow. One as bad as I thought, but it's still pretty bad. Um, they allowed almost 102 points per possession back-to-back games, hmm. which is not what you want. 101.8 against Mississippi State um, and 112. For a team that had solidified itself as one of the best teams defensively in the SEC, yeah, it's it's just I think kind of caught people by surprise. Probably this team and Frank Martin as well. Yeah. Now it's tough again when you go up against LSU because they're really good offensively. So what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? In this case, the unstoppable force won. Mississippi State was a little bit more surprising. They were a, you know, a, a good offensive team for sure, not yeah. on the level of LSU, but that even felt like you know a little more. I don't want to say more preventable because. They they shot a really high percentage, but it was they got high percentage looks. Did Mississippi State? So I don't yeah. want to say like it, they didn't feel like a sustainable performance against Mississippi State, but it just it felt weird watching it for Carolina. Uh, that continued a little bit on on Saturday. And I, I thought I thought the defense of the guards was better Saturday for Carolina than it was last Wednesday against Mississippi State. Like it felt like those guys were at least having to work for it a little bit more than yeah. Mississippi State's guards did. Yeah, and it was just a matchup nightmare for South Carolina. And I mean I've said it before that. South Carolina does well when it's just one guard that you can slap into a pick and roll and say go. Mm-hmm. But when it's two that just get downhill, the Bree and Tyrese and Devontae Schulers, the Stewarts and Weatherspoons, the Javante Smart, Skylar Mays, it gets hard for South Carolina just because they don't have the guards and bigs at times to match up with that and when you're and Frank's kind of discussed it when you throw him in a pick and roll and you got a rim protector like Wildens there help defense is so important in Frank Martin's system he's got to help up mm-hmm. to f- affect the shot and that allows backdoor cuts on the other side which is why you've seen so many backdoor feed dunk drive feed dunk plays because you have all these bigs helping up and that leads to open space Behind them. Especially when you have multiple quality ball handlers for the yeah. other team. That's that's kind of been the killer for Carolina. Now, for AJ, second straight game that it hasn't, it certainly hasn't been a great game. No, it no. probably hasn't even been a good game, but... Inefficient. Yeah, 5 of 12, 3 of 8 from 3, 13 points. That's, again, that's not great. But if AJ goes 5 of 12 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3... And shoots four of six from the free throw line. He's at seventeen points. That's kind of where he needs to be. Like the missing free throws are significant. Yeah, get to no, the, that, the aggression's the problem. problem right. With him. Yeah, more more than like even necessarily the efficiency. But other than that, you know, six rebounds. I thought he was good. Really attacked the glass. Had four offensive rebounds. Two turnovers though. Two but turnovers no wasn't good, and, and still assists is or you know are just down this year. Did have a steal. I feel like he's st- even though the last couple games he hasn't played well. It doesn't feel like when he wasn't playing well earlier in the season. It feels yeah. like a more engaged kind of not playing well. It's it's just he's not playing well. It doesn't feel like he's gone again. It feels like he's there and just not playing that well. Yeah, and I think that the problem is, is that people, and, and myself included, and I think the coaching staff and um, expected a bigger jump from AJ. And I'm looking at his numbers right now. The stuff that really doesn't... He's got a better offensive rating. He's got a worse offensive rating in SEC play than he did last year. Um, everything is just so marginal. Um, he's shooting better this year than he did last year, which is good. Um, he rebounded the ball a little bit better last year on the, yeah, 
Rebounded the ball a little bit better last year. Um, passed the ball a little bit better last year. But then again, South Carolina has had a – like, it's this weird thing with A.J. because he's shouldering a lot of the load, obviously, and he has to grow into that. But <clears throat> when you had a guy like Hassani who was shooting like 800% from three last year, sixth man of the year, it helps your assist numbers. Um, the problem is, is that you expect him – so last year he shot – in SEC play, 52 free throws. This year... Wait, he shot 52 free throws in all of SEC play last year? Yeah. Um, huh. It's like less than three a game. Yeah. This year he's shot 38 with four to go. Jeez. He needs to be shooting 100 free throws in SEC yeah. play. He needs um, to be shooting five or six. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I didn't realize the number was that low. That's crazy. But the problem is that his fouls... He's really good about not committing fouls. Only 2.9 per 40. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Um... His fouls drawn per 40 in SEC. So his fouls drawn per 40 is top 10% in college basketball. Wow. On the season, 4.5 this year, 4.6 last year. Hmm. Um, in conference play, it's a little bit less this year, 3.6 to 3.8. The problem is that it's all pretty marginal, mm-hmm. but you'd expect those numbers to have taken a big jump. Right. And that's the problem. It's with the it. classic... You're either getting better or you're worse. I always cite Tommy Callahan. I don't know if you're a fan of the movie Tommy Boy. Yeah. But there's just, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know if people, if other people think it's funny or if it's just a throwaway line, but he's like, you know, you're either growing or you're dying. There ain't no third direction. And for AJ, it feels like, well, we know he's not growing. And if you are someone that believes in that philosophy, he's not staying the same. He's dying because he's supposed to be improving. And I think that's why it's disappointing. But at least for me, watching the game, like I said, it looks different, it feels different. There's a level of engagement. You know, defensively, he hasn't been great the last couple of games, but he's at least been he's been he's been he's been more locked in. He's been you your know, second he, or third best player. He's in every trying. Game. He's yeah. not falling asleep. There's sometimes no. when he still gets beat off the dribble. I mean, there was one play. I don't remember if it was Smart or Mays that was driving on him in the first half, and he's playing it pretty well. And whoever it was for LSU just had a beautiful spin move inside, goes into the lane, and gets fouled. And it's like it's like yeah, I mean, AJ was his defender there, led to a foul. I don't even think AJ was the one that committed the foul. I think it was Mike. Or somebody it doesn't matter. Point is, like, yeah, that was just a, that was a damn good move. And even was it Kennedy, Andy Kennedy calling the game? Maybe I think it was Andy yeah, Kennedy. Yeah, uh, was calling. It was Beth Mowens and Andy Kennedy calling the game. And Andy was like, "Yeah, you never spin inside the lane." So it's like if AJ is playing him to the outside, you can't fault him for that because you don't spin. It's in the you, game you don't plan, spin yeah. into the lane. Like that's yeah. a bad idea. That's the game plan. You want to you want to force him to the middle because that's yeah. where your help defense is. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's stuff like that. It's like yeah, he got beat on that play. But why did he get shit? He was doing the, the right day, thing. Into yeah. the day, shit happens. And, yeah. and and you're playing a really good team with really good basketball players that are going to do stuff like that. So I didn't think it was an egregiously bad defensive performance. I still always like to see AJ engaged on the boards because I feel like, as much as anything, that's kind of a bellwether. Like if he's just sitting back and letting the game come to him, you know that it's not going to be good. But when he's attacking the glass, especially the offensive glass, when he's grabbing defensive rebounds and trying to get out in transition that's when you're like, okay, AJ's there. And he was still doing that. He just wasn't getting all the way to the rim, and some of his shots weren't falling. I mean, he, he finished three of eight. One of those threes was kind of the, again, not garbage time, but towards the end of the game, two yeah. of seven feels a lot worse than three of eight. But it still feels like he's there and he's close, just not quite there. Yeah. And, I mean, you pretty much said it well. I mean, it happens, you know. He's engaged. Uh, sometimes he's going up against... He really didn't get the Skylar Mays treatment, but he got Javante Smart, who is a two-ish. He's, this is his first full year starting, 
Let me read you Javante Smart's Ken Palm page. 15th in the SEC in offensive rating. Uh, 14th in effective field goal percentage. 18th in true shooting percentage. 18th in assist rate. 3rd in fouls committed per game. 13th in free throw percentage and 11th in three-point percentage. So he's a scrub. Yeah. Oh, terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Oh, awful. awful. That's actually that's pretty good. insane. Yeah. So it makes sense that Will Wade paid as much for him as he did. No comment. <laughs> hey, I'd pay that much for a guy like that. That that was that was the guy involved in the scandal, right? It was smart. In the in the wiretap scandal, I, I think it was him. Was I that the strong wrong. ass offer? Yeah, I think so. I thought that was smart. <laughs> I, I, I give wrong. Chris Wellbaum a lot of credit because every tweet from our GC game day account included the word strong ass. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. That's great. Though. Yeah, so I'll read. I mean, they were just like strong ass comeback from this strong ass mm. dunk. Oh, it was it was gorgeous. He his man. If y'all aren't watching the game on TV or listening to it on one hundred seven five, and even if you are, you can still follow along with the game day updates. Like I, I'm like I'm sitting in Williams Bryce during football games, like watching the game and just reading the updates because they're hilarious. And that's why because I remember I had to ask you about it a couple weeks ago. Who did it? Because I've had so many people ask me because they know I do the podcast with you and with Wes and with Chris and with Will Helms. And they're like. Who runs the updates? And I was like, I don't know. But that dude is freaking fantastic. So That's awesome. Chris Wellbaum. I wish I was like half bar- as no, funny. He does like barbecue. Chris Gillespie doesn't like barbecue. Yeah. Chris Gillespie doesn't. The photographer. Yes. Yeah. Direct all of your ire. He's a Castle Grayskull. Yeah. Direct all of your ire to him and give him a lot of crap for uh, the taco place not being closed. What taco Because when we were at A&M, mm-hmm. I really wanted Texas barbecue. Okay. Makes and sense. So I tell the story in... in I give him shit for this all the time. He, my fiance had a friend who interned at Texas A&M mm-hmm. um, one summer. So I texted her and was like, listen, I'm going to A&M. I need all your great barbecue spots. Send them to me and we'll probably hit one or two while we're there. Uh, so she sent me this big list. I was like, I mean, I'm on the flight, like mm-hmm. giddy about going. Uh, we we touched down late. Did you so, fly to Houston? Or did you fly yeah, flying to Houston. Yeah. So it wasn't so, Blood Brothers, was it? No. Okay. That's where we um, went. It was late. So we got in really, really late. Drove, had a very, very interesting drive from Houston to College Station at like one in the morning. Mm. So it's kind of a weird drive. Yeah. Um, we stopped at a gas station with bulletproof glass. Nice. On the Excellent. windows to buy a phone charger and get some. Cash was that near that tolls. Christmas town? No, that was before the Christmas. Time. Okay, that that's um, that's bizarre. I have a bunch of road trip stories with Chris because we stopped at a buck. I mean, it is awesome. I um, need to write a book or do a what? podcast. Well, I would enjoy. Road. Yeah, I would enjoy sitting down with Chris Gillespie and just reminiscing. About I would listen to that things. every single week. Y'all need to do a Tales from the Road. Yeah. It, it, All right, we'll talk there, about that. There are the plenty of stories. Um, but so long story short, Saturday it was the only day we could eat, and he was like, "I really don't like." barbecue can we do something else sure i was pretty bummed about it and i've told him that since then i was pretty bummed uh so after the game i also had some taco places she sent me so i was like okay late night tacos after a you know game and we're driving past it there's a line out the door oh nice i would have gone i would have sat there in line it's a taco place all you do is slap meat and cheese and you move on mm-hmm. um He's driving past it. He's driving the rental car, and he goes, "Looks closed," and just keeps no. going. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and so we end up stopping at like some gas station to pick up like you know a drink and like a chips, chips, and eat in the room because we were gonna go to Whataburger, and that line was wrapped like two times around the building. Looks and, closed. Yeah, and oh, we like drove awesome. past. I was like, no. 
but that's really disappointing. So next time. So I give and I've been to AM since then and it's I've gotten my barbecue okay. and right, gotten their tacos. Good. I was gonna say, is Carolina going there for baseball this year? I can't remember off the it top went, of my head, but it went a couple years ago. Okay. All right. Well so yeah, I'm glad you got your fix anyway. Best barbecue I've ever had. <sighs> strong ass, Will Wade, Javante Smart, strong AJ ass bar- yeah, strong yeah. ass barbecue. Uh-huh. Continue. AJ. Yeah. Not bad. Not no, great. Not great. Middle of the road. Yeah. You want him to Close. Do, you want him to He be needs to be better. Yeah. But he has been worse, so it's, I yes. guess it's good that he's not worse. Yes. Jermaine led in the a, team in minutes, 37 minutes, but four of 16, two of six from three, made five of his six free throws, four rebounds, four assists, a steal, a block, just two turnovers, four fouls, 15 points, inefficient. He got to the free throw line six times, which is second most on the team, and should have gotten there more. He should have had another game where he attempted 12 free throws. It wasn't there. It feels like maybe he's... He has hit or is hitting a little bit of a freshman wall, which we see happen with young players a lot. Now I get it. He's a redshirt freshman, but this is his first season playing college basketball. The teams are game planning, game planning for him a little bit more. Yeah. Now he's, he, I guess you give him credit. He's still getting to his 15, 16, 17 points a game, but I don't know. Freshman wall? A little bit. Yeah. I think it's just him adjusting to how teams are going to play him now because they have a, a good chunk. He's been in the starting lineup now for probably what? 13 or 11 games, 10, 11 games. Yeah, that's um, right, because it wasn't Florida. It wasn't Tennessee. They made the switch. So 12 games. That was his 12th game. Right. Um, As your starting point guard. Teams now have a, a good good enough sample size on how they run the offense with him. So now he's gotten to play his game, and now it's about adjusting. Still playing his game, but now adjusting to, okay, well, when I try to go left or right, this team defends me this way with help this way, right. and I got to figure out ways around that. Jermaine, what's your counterpunch? Exactly. You had a good first punch. Yeah. What's your counterpunch? Exactly. That's what Carolina's looking for now. I don't know if he can find it. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's, maybe that's why people hit the freshman year wall or the rookie wall in professional sports yeah. because you got your one thing and then people figure it out and then it takes you a little bit of more time to develop your counterpunch. Yeah. And you think about it too, man. Like high school playoffs are going on right now. And South Carolina still got four regular season games left. Yeah, this is when this, he's he's used to not playing, not playing, and having played less and yeah. less intense basketball. Yeah, it's an emotional sense. drain. It happens an emotional drain, a physical drain. Travel's been weird, and for Carolina, I was thinking it's kind of nice because they since SEC play started, it's been home away, home, home away, home away, home away, home away. Except for with two exceptions, there were two back to back road games, A and M and Ole Miss. Right, and now there's. Back-to-back home games. No, not A&M and Ole Miss. Auburn and Texas A&M. Sure, earlier in the season. Yeah, yeah. back-to-back Auburn road games. And, and now back-to-back home games with LSU and Georgia. And then then you go back to home away, home away, home away. Oh, yeah, wait. Uh, so there's back-to-back home games, LSU and Georgia. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're Georgia at Bama, home Mississippi home State, State, and then at Bama. At right, Vanderbilt. I keep flipping those. But, yeah, so I, in some ways, I don't know why I feel like that's nice. Probably just because there's a pattern and my brain likes yeah. patterns. But on the other hand, that's probably been a little bit harder that they haven't been able to just have, like, a homestand. It's been a lot of and travel, you, a lot of in and out. The good thing, too, is that it's Wednesday. It, it all but on Wednesdays. Yeah. You know? Um, but, like, that makes it really hard for the Saturday games because you could get back late Wednesday, and then you got to practice Thursday, then you got to practice Friday, and then you got a game Saturday. So, is what it is. It's either shorter rest on the back end after a Saturday game or longer rest after the Saturday game kind of thing. But the good thing is South Carolina's kept their off day. So, it's not like the off day is switching week to week. It's... They get, you know, Sunday off, practice Monday, Tuesday, play Wednesday, 
practice Thursday, Friday, play Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's the same schedule. It's just a matter of right. how exhausted your body is and where you've traveled to. And it's going to be a slight change-up for a really important game, unfortunately. I guess not this week, midweek game, but next midweek game when you play Mississippi State on a Tuesday, one less day against the team that already beat you. Now yeah. you get that at home. But you're coming but, off the road. But you're coming off the road. Right. Now, I guess they'll probably still get back pretty late from... I'll probably get back about 3 a.m. Yeah. yeah, from Alabama. Because it's an 8.30 tip. But... They don't have Luckily to go to school the, on Sunday. Yeah. Yay! Yay to school on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, let's finish up talking about this LSU game. Wilden Zavek, I thought, had a pretty good game. Yeah. 15 minutes, 5 points, 8 rebounds, 5 of them offensive. He looks promising. He yeah. continues to show like a little bit of improvement. He still looks good for a freshman. The thing that impresses me about him is he does a really good job of knowing where to be. Yeah. I, I think we talk about it more with guards in terms of like feel for the game because you can... You can look at playmaking and things like that. But Wilden's, even when he's not grabbing a rebound, he's in a position to get the rebound. And it's just yeah. a matter of somebody either beating him to him, beating him to it, being in better position. But he seems to always know where the ball's going. And there, there was even one. I thought he had more foul. He only had one foul, which is great. Excellent job, Wilden's, for yeah. a guy that just a couple weeks ago tied the record for fastest fouling out ever for a South Carolina eight player minutes, with Chris right? Silva. Yeah, eight minutes and five fouls. So credit to him for not fouling. I felt like there were more instances where he was in a position for a rebound and grabbed it, but they called him for a foul. I guess that just happened one time for like an over-the-back. But he's got a really good rebounding sense. Now his offensive game still has a long way to go. Yeah. You know, defensively in terms of... He's got the body to be, a, you know, a pretty decent rim protector. He's just got to work on staying vertical when he's going up to contest shots. But the pieces are still there, and I thought this is one of the better games than he's had in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, and you're starting to see the signs kind of click for him a little bit, especially... <sighs> He's a freshman playing against guys that are bigger than him, guys that have played more than him, and he's holding his own or treading water. So that's good. You want that from Wildens. And if he could continue that, you feel good about sliding him into a potentially the starting five spot next year. Who knows? So we'll see. I, I like his game a lot. I liked it when he committed. So um, we'll see. Good game, Wildens. Jalen came back. He was available. Getting yeah, and getting him back for the Georgia game. Getting him back. Six minutes, no points. Did grab a couple of rebounds. He was cleared late. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember seeing him on. I I watched the game Saturday night. I didn't go to the game. My dad's band had a concert, so I was. I went to that and then caught a little bit of the first half on the radio. Watched the game when I got home and watched it again on Monday. And I can't tell you a single thing that Williams did. I don't remember. I don't remember him being in the game. Huh? Yeah, sorry. Jaylen. Jay, I don't remember a single thing that Jalen McCurry did on Saturday. No, and and it was just one of those things where he probably didn't. Frank Martin said he got cleared right before the LSU game, the day of. So it's like, yeah, you throw him in there and hope for the best. But he didn't game. He didn't practice. He probably knows the game plan, but didn't take any mental. Or, you know, he took some mental reps, but that can only help you so much. So getting him back, full day of practice Monday, full day of practice Tuesday, ready for this game. Should be, should be back to what you've grown to expect from a guy like Jalen, which is going to be good for South Carolina trying to fill that void. We've talked about it a lot with Manaya, mm-hmm. obviously out. Talked about the guards a little bit. Jair, fine, cool shot, fading, you know, off balance to his left, jumping like half turnaround, like ridiculous, whatever shot, and then Trey Hannibal, not great, you know, still turns the ball over too much, and and all of his turnovers feel avoidable which is yeah. which is the tough part it's not like oh you know that was uh, like almost a really good play like i see what you're doing there you know keep doing that like that's a productive turnover it's like oh you just threw the ball out of bounds because you thought someone was coming up to grab the ball and 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 he didn't so yeah 
yeah, not a great game for him. Two of seven shooting, and then TJ Moss, two minutes, low impact just in general. Yeah. But you wrote a good piece about Trey Hannibal being the number two. He is. The clear-cut number two for Carolina. We were hoping that would happen, and it has. And I think he's kind of experiencing a similar thing to Jermaine right now where it's it's a little bit of a freshman wall. And he hits that. He falls into hero ball a lot, which he was. That was kind of his offensive game at, at Hartsville and it needed to be because he was the best player on the court. Um, it's just getting out of that, breaking out of that mold and fitting more into the offense. And when he does that, he's going he's gonna to be a really, really good player. Anything else about LSU? Missed opportunity. LSU's a good team. Still got a lot to play for. Yeah. Missed opportunity. I don't know. I mean, Carolina, Carolina could have won that game if they played better. but Yeah, and you missed a chance for a quad one win. Yeah. That's the part. That's probably right. the part that pisses fans off, pisses Frank off. But you still have a chance. Yeah. Assuming yeah. Alabama kind of holds up their end of the bargain yeah. down the stretch. It's it's very <laughs> – it's not easy. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting there. South Carolina is going to win their next 20 games by – you know, four games by 20 points. But it's doable. There's a chance. Slim, but there's a chance. Georgia part two on Wednesday. Did you just pause to to let that, like, Wednesday, the weird Wednesday pronunciation? Yeah, I didn't know if you were going to make fun of me for saying it like that. I mean, I can if you want me to. Yeah, you should. Wednesday. That's how we spell it. Wednesday. Wednesday. Hump day. 75-59 was the first time Carolina played Georgia. It wasn't even that close. (laughs) Hump day. (laughs) Please listen to this on Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah, please listen to this on Wednesday. But Georgia... Playing better, playing better. They beat Auburn. Yeah, South Carolina didn't. Do Auburn's that. weird. Yeah, they went. They started the, the season weird. Auburn. What did they start? Eighteen and zero. Yeah, fifteen and zero, something like that. And then they lost their first two games of conference play, and then they went on a tear and won nine in a row. And then they lost two in a row again. And then they've, I think, won all their games since that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess they've only played one game since then because they lost to Georgia and then they lost to. They beat Tennessee. Right, and then came, they, came they, back they beat from Tennessee. Point yeah, down. they beat Tennessee this past weekend, and then before that, they lost two in a row. Mm-hmm. It's had just four overtime wins. Yeah, I know, and they've played five overtime games. Five, no, five overtime wins. They've won all five of their overtime games. That's ridiculous. Auburn's crazy. That's LSU like last year. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like they got like the luckiest bounces. Um, Georgia winning those two games in SEC play with Anthony Edwards scoring fewer than twenty points maybe scares you a little bit if you're a Carolina fan because the rest of the team is sort of figuring out. Yeah, more how to play with Edwards rather than just saying, "Well, if Anthony Edwards doesn't have thirty-two and seventeen tonight, I guess we're going to lose." Yeah, not great for Carolina, but it all still does start with keeping Anthony Edwards in check. They did a good job of it last time, and just based on the eye test, it didn't feel like they had to do too much unconventional stuff. Yeah. No, I mean they just kind of they defended him straight up. They, I mean, I guess made a really concerted effort to keep the ball out of his hands. Yeah. yeah, I mean they denied a lot, but it still feels like Frank will have at least one or two things up his sleeve. If Anthony Edwards starts the game hot, which I mean, has you feeling pretty good? And Carolina's just a better team than Georgia, even though they're not playing great right now. Yeah, and Frank talked about it on Monday during his press conference that they're going to get the best punch possible from Anthony Edwards. He's playing pretty pretty good right now. Um, has played them before, and he knows that he's just going to come out essentially pissed off. Kind of just the vibe that I got. Um, keeping the ball out of his hands. Frank Martin talked about the ball seems to get in his get in his hands a little bit earlier in the possession now just to kind of initiate. Do you know what his usage rate is? Anthony Edwards for the season? His yeah. usage rate? A lot. Uh 
Mason Jones is first in the SEC at 31.4. Okay, I was going to guess like 28. Anthony Edwards is 30.9. Tied for second. Wow. With Bree and Tyree. So, if you, Jermaine Kustard actually seventh, 27.2. The season that Russell Westbrook won the MVP, controversially, and he averaged a triple-double, his usage rate was like 40%, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a lot. That's a lot of possessions. But if use. you could limit him and deny him the ball, that it just throws their offense for a freaking funk, mm-hmm. and they don't know what to do when Anthony doesn't have the ball. Yeah, so I mean, if you, even even if he's not like you're saying, even if he's not scoring a lot or shooting a ton, he's still using a lot of those possessions. And let me pull up this other Georgia Carolina game because Georgia in that game took sixty. Uh, sorry, that was Carolina took sixty five shots. Georgia took fifty two shots. Yeah, Edwards took thirteen of them, so that's twenty five percent of the shots. And then he only had one assist. And I don't know how. Obviously, there's nothing in the box score that indicates how many of his passes led to shots that missed and things like that. But that was the difference. And it was also like. Early enough, Carolina was able to keep him out of it. They were yeah. able to build a lead, so it didn't really matter if he was able to get his later in the game. Uh, they held him he a had, little like, bit. I think he had, what, eight in the first half, eight in the second half maybe? Like It was it was a pretty even yeah. distribution, but if you can do that early and build a huge lead, which is what Carolina did, and you don't overly have to... I mean, he, he can get his by the end of the game if you have a 20-point lead at halftime, which is what Carolina did in the first game. Yeah, and Georgia actually outscored them in the second half. Yeah, um, that's right. 38-20 at half and then 39-37 in the second yeah, half. Yeah, by two. Um, but yeah, limit him. It's going to be easier said than done like it was the first time, but I don't think he's going to go four for 13 again. I think you're going to get a better punch from him this time around. I think so too. I mean, law of averages says he's going to have certainly a a better game than he normally does. Now, I guess what's good is even the first time you played Georgia, you didn't have Justin Minaya and people worried about what that matchup was going to look like. I certainly worried about that. So it's not like Carolina limited him and then now has different personnel. And I think, I, I think Frank had you know a, a solid game that game. He played twenty minutes, grabbed nine rebounds. So yeah. if, if Frank's not playing well, maybe that makes a little bit of a difference. Even though Frank's not handling that responsibility defensively, Mike Coatsar had a a fine game. You know, I said when was the last time that he had a game as ungoatsar like as he did against LSU? It may have been that Georgia game. He had eleven points. Five rebounds, only one personal foul, but only played 29 minutes in that game. I don't even remember why. Five for 12 why. in the field. Yeah, why didn't he play more in that game? I don't know. But Georgia's not that tall of a team. Right. So it kind of helps that you have the size advantage by far. So Carolina out-rebounded Georgia by 12. Use that on to the your offensive advantage. Glass. Yeah. Yeah. Take advantage of that. Use your athleticism. Um, yeah, Georgia's not a very tall team. South Carolina has two inches on them yeah. on average. So. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. You won by 16. It could have been more. You played a fine game, not yeah. an outrageous game. You shot 44% from the field, which is about your average. Consistent. 35% from three, which is above average for you, and 57% from the free throw line, which is um, a little bit below average. By the way, I looked it up yesterday. Do you know how many teams are worse than Carolina in the entire country at shooting free throws? Five. It's exactly five. Do you know who the five are? Maryland Eastern Shore was one of them. They're not anymore. Okay. I'm going to look it up. There's one other like power six team that's in there. Oh no, four, only four. Only four? Only I four saw now. Nebraska, North Carolina, A and T. So they're three forty nine. Bluff. So they're three forty nine now. Mm-hmm. Um, if Ken Palm will load, um, three forty nine now. I think it was St. Louis, Nebraska, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and North Carolina A and T. And I thought there was one more yesterday, no. but maybe that's updated. That's no, it. it's updated. Okay. Manhattan moved ahead of them. In oh, Eastern you're worse at shooting free throws than Manhattan. You are one of two. <clears throat> 
two teams in the Power Six, kind of the Big East, that are bottom five. Yikes. So, Winthrop, though, one Winthrop not too far ahead of them. Oh, man. The Eagles. So if Carolina shoots free throws well for the rest of the season, maybe they won't be the worst free throw shooting team in the state of South Carolina or the country. But I won't hold my breath. I'm a big – my brother goes to Winthrop, so I have a weird soft spot in my heart for – yeah, well, I went to Furman. My brother goes to Wofford, so you know I'm all about yeah. South Carolina schools. Yeah, go Palmetto State. Go, yeah, Palmetto State something. Anyway, Carolina, similar game plan. Do what you did the first time against Georgia. I don't know if that will be as easy. Anthony Edwards, the, I'm not going to say the difference in the game going Carolina's way and not was Anthony Edwards missing shots early, but yeah. the difference between it being as comfortable it was, as it was and not could have just been Anthony Edwards missing a couple, uh, what, two threes in the first couple of minutes? Yeah, you got to make him miss early, get right. him out of his game. And and for Edwards, it was just a matter of him missing those shots. Like, it wasn't like Carolina would... Carolina made him work for it when he got the ball, but there were one or two opportunities that I remember specifically off the top of my head where he had pretty open looks and just missed him. And if yeah. he hits those, that's when you have to worry about, instead of him scoring 16 or 18, you have to worry about him scoring yeah, 25, 28, 30, something like that. I expect a similar game plan. Again, I'm encouraged because it doesn't feel like Frank Martin had to throw the kitchen sink at him last time. So if you need to do that this time, maybe you can do that. But yeah. Carolina has to win. They absolutely have to win. If they lose this game, then we're just going to do the eulogy for this season on the next podcast. And talk about the NIT. And talk about, yeah, and talk about the NIT because I guess that'll still be on the table for Carolina. But yeah. uh, anything else in terms of Georgia preview? Now that we're doing some of these games for the second time, it's, yeah. it's like a, I feel like a little bit less to say. Do what you did. Time, Knock do down shots. Did. Guard deny Anthony Edwards the ball. Guards pick it back up, hopefully. Keyshawn yeah. Bryant, keep doing what you're doing. Goats are. I mean, that's the other thing. When you go back to LSU, and you again, it wasn't exactly a six point margin, but the final score says it was a six point margin. Mike Coatsar had an underwhelming kind of game. Jermaine had an inefficient kind of game. AJ was a little bit underwhelming. Keyshawn was the only guy that gave you kind of what you expected or what you needed to get from him. So that's a that's a lot yeah. of important players having less than stellar games in a game that Maybe wasn't winnable, but could have been closer than it was. If Carolina plays like they did against LSU, which is not great, it's still probably enough to beat Georgia. Yeah, I which would is think good. So. You want to so. do reverse jinxes now? I heard you talking a bunch of crap to me to Wes and Chris on the podcast about me not understanding the the countdown. No, so I I know you understand it. But I thought it was kind of like a fun bit that we did because the first time we did it, we screwed it up. I, I no no no, no. we didn't do anything. I screwed it up. <laughs> well, but I I didn't tell you because I mean it's it's like it's uh, like rock paper scissors. Where well, you're it's like, like do you blah, put blah. peanut butter and jelly on the same side? Do you put it on different bread? It's I'm just not about a jelly how you guy. Raise. I'm a peanut butter and honey guy. So I've been doing a little more peanut butter and honey lately, just because really good, like less processed sugar. I think your body like processes it the same way, but. Uh, my girlfriend really likes honey, so it's a lot of big peanut, peanut butter, butter and honey. honey. So uh, I'm a very picky eater. So are you? Oh, horribly picky. Oh, uh, that's really disappointing. Horribly. I like picky you three percent less now. Yeah. Well, like it's just one of those things where like my family is big picky eater fans. Really? But um, my sister is the only one that's a picky eater, and we tease her relentlessly about it. So I'm better. My fiance, I'll give her a lot of credit that she's kind of helped me break out of that mold a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm better than I was. Um, still not great, but I'm better than I was. And I'm not the pickiest eater in my family. Good. That's important. You so, have to have somebody to, to make yeah. fun of. I, I I may have already told this story on the podcast, so I apologize if it's redundant. Or maybe I said this on my local show. Maybe I said it on another Carolina podcast. I talked this too somewhere much. recently. I do talk yeah. too much. <laughs> and I think people on Gamecock Central, on the forums anyway, are sick of hearing my voice. But I'll tell the story again. I used to not like olives. And I don't like not liking things. I hate being picky. So I went to the store and I bought a jar of olives. And I just ate them. Hating them. Until I did not hate them. And now I don't dislike olives. I, I, in fact, like them. 
which I think means I'm a sociopath. I mean, yeah. Uh, my roommate, his mom came down from, she's, I mean, Italian is Italian. Yeah, it's, they're from Syracuse, right? <clears throat> no, they're from, this is from Mass. Dang it. Um, you do have a roommate what, from I have Syracuse. two roommates, and yeah, one's from Syracuse, okay. one's from um, Massachusetts. All right, I'm figuring it out. Um, but his mom is like, if she's not Italian, she's pretty damn close. Hmm. Uh, but she cooks constantly when she comes down. It's awesome. So she was making dinner one night for us in our kitchen, which was, again, I love when they come to visit because they just bring in food and food and food. That's wonderful. Um, but she was making chicken uh, piccata. I want to say oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love chicken piccata. Um, but she was like, I'm going to put olives in. Is that okay? And I was like, I really don't like olives. She goes, try one. She made me try an olive. And it was like one of the more disgusting things I've ever had. Oh, time. really? Black olive, green olive? Black I guess, olive. Oh, okay. But I'm just oh. not an olive fan. Yeah, that's fine. I don't like slimy. Polarizing food. I don't like slimy foods hmm. as much. I'm a very like set in my ways eater. I'm getting better, but I'm very like, I like chicken wings, but I don't eat chicken wings. Hmm. Uh, that's right. Yeah, we talked about that early yeah, on I like in the to podcast. Work for my food. But you know what? It's yeah. I, I appreciate that you're getting better. Only if you feel like you need to. But the reality is, the older we get, the more set in our ways we get. So yeah, just embrace it. Just embrace the things that you like and and just uh, just eat them. Yeah. So. Anyway, Reverse all chances. I have to say, I wasn't making fun of you. I thought it was a bit. I don't do it to make fun of you, where I explain it every do, time. Are we just going to lean into the bit now? Yeah, well, that's what I've been doing. Okay. I, I feel bad I, that you sure. thought I've been. Well, no, you get. I was like, it. oh, like Pierce is like throwing me out of the bus. <laughs> no, Chris no, 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 no. I, I really, I really thought it was a bit because yeah, the first time we messed it up, I and then the up, second yeah. time you asked for clarification, and I was like, okay, this is funny. We're just going to explain this every time as if we've never done it before. So we're gonna go three, two, one, and then go. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, I don't know who I'm gonna pick yet. I got mine. Okay, three, two, one. Jermaine AJ Q's Lawson. Hard. Okay, we're going for we're we're going for the backcourt combo. Yeah. AJ, Jer- you're going up against a probable number one overall pick. Do your thing and prove that you belong to even be in the G League next year. Because right now, I don't believe you belong in the G League yeah. next year. Jermaine. You were really, really inefficient against LSU. You need to be better. You will be better because Georgia's a terrible defensive team. I think LSU was. Um, Georgia's not a very good defensive team, and you're going to be guarding Anthony Edwards. This is your time to shine and show why you are one of the better freshman guards in the SEC. He did a good job the first time. Yeah. He had a fine game offensively, not super efficient, 5 of 13, but he made half of his threes. He made his free throw, three but, rebounds, four assists. But he guarded 14 Anthony points, Edwards. But he guarded Anthony Edwards. And when you score 14 points... You can be forgiven for being a little bit inefficient and playing really great defense while putting in really good work on the other side. Now, what was also interesting about that matchup is, and sort of as anticipated, I think maybe uh, at least in terms of the man, I I think I expected to see a little more zone against Georgia last time. Carolina pretty much played him straight up man like the whole game, which surprised me. But they threw everybody at. They threw every right. Yeah, I mean Keyshawn had some possessions on him and did a nice job. Trey Hannibal, uh, you know, Mike even guarded him for one or two possessions. I guess Jermaine was probably on him for like 60% of the possessions, though. He yeah, did a pretty good job. But, I mean, everybody... Four or five different guys had at least one possession yeah. on him. And, I mean, that's probably the right way to do it. Because if you just if you ask one guy to do it, he's going to be dead by halftime. He's not going to be able to give you yeah. anything because that's so and, taxing. So kind of like switching guys off and keeping fresh legs on him is, is a good idea. I want to see Jalen on him, too. That would be fun. Yeah. And and the best part was that they didn't... It, was, it wasn't like Jermaine Kustar went 60% and then... Backed off in the way right, of, yeah, it was to like end the game. Three here, one there. Three yeah. here, one there. Two there, one there, one there. Yeah. yeah. It was it good. It was really good. Anyway. All right, so that is tomorrow at what time o'clock? 6.30. Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday. Yeah, sorry. We're recording Wednesday. this on Tuesday morning. 
Yeah. That game is going to be Wednesday at 6.30, which is great because last week's midweek game was at 9. So everybody gorgeous. can get to bed a little bit earlier gorgeous. this time around. So thank you all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Read Colin Taylor on Gamecock Central. Follow him on Twitter at Colin Taylor with a Y. Uh, plug your piece again. You got coming Tuesday afternoon as well. Yeah, about the defensive side of things. Um, just how bad they've been defensively this week and why they need to pick it up. And we have some recruiting stuff down the pipeline as well. Very good. Yeah, spring football practice starts oh. on Wednesday. Will Muschamp press conference Tuesday at 11 o'clock. By the time you hear this, that will have already happened. So Wes and Chris and I will be back on another Carolina podcast tomorrow to discuss some early thoughts on the spring. So again, rate, review, subscribe to everything on the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Colin and I will talk to you on Thursday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.